Hello, and welcome back to Listen to These Nerds. I'm John, and uh, today I am going to be interviewing uh, uh, Landon as part of our uh, ongoing uh, Masks interview series. Uh, Landon, uh, thank you for coming on, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, So, uh, first question, uh, same as everyone else, uh, what got you into masks? Oh, okay. So, um, I guess... I was tired of D and D. That was that was the first thing. Um, I had started, you know, everybody else playing uh, RPGs as a as a teenager, and then as you know, got into college, it became harder to play with people physically. So you know, I started looking for ways to play with people digitally, and um, it came up that uh, there were other systems out there that were very interesting, and Masks was one of the ones that provided a lot of flexibility in terms of being able to set up times uh, over the internet to meet with people. And uh, that was that was it, basically, just looking for things that uh, I hadn't experienced before and finding clever solutions. All right. And uh, so uh, was Mask the, the first thing you, like, done, like, homebrew for, or...? Um, Yes and no. Uh, you know, so during some of my D and D campaigns back in the day, I I did some uh, some homebrew for them, but nothing as uh, expansive as what I've done for masks so far in terms of published and unpublished work. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, why don't you give me a bit of uh, a timeline? So you've got uh, six playbooks. Yes, currently. Um, and so, so where did you you get uh, started? So, the first one that I published was the Survivor, uh, and the Survivor is actually from another project I had been working on for uh, for just a game in general. Um, that was uh, it was a playbook for that game um, that traded harm for mechanical benefits, but you know, when I thought about translating it to masks, you know, the, the harm isn't a part of masks. It's more, it's more of you know, the emotional component of it. So I started working on how that could translate, um, and so spent a long time getting the survivor done. And then afterward, uh, the others just kind of started coming one after the other, like uh, every one, one uh, every two, one to two months started coming up with uh coming up with a couple after i uh first published that first one all right so um uh starting with the survivor uh it's a very interesting playbook it's very different uh from a lot of uh playbooks because it it really uh kind of replaces the the labeling condition like how those systems work with its own kind of mechanic mhm yeah, so the survivor, I've always enjoyed. Um, I, I guess it, I, the the way I, I I first came about the survivor is the game I had been working on was working with big themes of like death and regret and atonement, and it was uh, it was very heavy. And so when it came time to start building playbooks for it. I started thinking about things that which uh, where each playbook would fundamentally change part of the game for that character and feel very weighty. So the survivor is all about 
like emotional guilt, survival, survivor's guilt, and emotional unpredictability, like how people, when they're grappling with their own demons, will lash out for no reason. And so the survivor, they can't clear any of their conditions normally. They have to either take action to clear the conditions or just live with the conditions themselves. Yeah, and that that's really uh, kind of core to the the, the extra uh, righteous anger, um, mm-hmm. uh, where you you effectively turn conditions into its own label. Uh, uh, right, and um, in doing so, it becomes of a, a benefit. And so, when I've uh, written down like the uh, character inspirations, you know, I put down penance uh, from Marvel as one. You know. Um, so for anybody who knows that was the kickoff for the civil war where um there was this uh, large disaster caused by a villain named nitro who ends up uh, basically blowing up a uh, blowing up an elementary school it's very heavy very dark but penance is the lone survivor and has to carry all of that weight uh, of having survived and and that spoke to me when I was trying to translate this for masks because it's such it's such a source of um, you know uh, of drive for the character that it made sense to have all these heavy emotions and all this guilt you know provide some sense of a purpose of a driving power for the survivor. So uh, j- just for my own curiosity, uh, yeah. if you are running a game and someone is playing the survivor. And takes the damaged move from the newborn. Can that label <laughs> go to plus four? Um, so I, I would actually, if you look at the advancements, they can't take any moves from any other playbooks exactly for that reason. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so uh, that was a big thing in designing it is that there are so many ways to get out of it. Um, there's that, there's the uh, soul, there's a move from the soldier that allows you instead of going down to shift your savior down and any other label up. And uh, there are some ways to get out of it that way. And so when I was working on it, I, I you know, decided pretty early on after thinking through the extra just to take the take that advancement out completely that's really interesting i i'm yeah and and you also chose to to give them the option of taking putting down roots from the uh from the nomads playbook which is Mm -hmm. uh like their which is a, a another way where the the entire like like one of the core systems of uh of masks is kind of subverted so they they can the survivor can really be playing under all, almost an entirely different rule set than any, everyone else. Yeah, and that and the nomad the choice of the nomad was to push the sense of isolation of the survivor's story arc. So you know going back to penance uh, or even um, like year one Batman, it's about this isolation. Like there's a sense of mission, a sense of, you know, I have to uh, put right the things that are wrong in the world, or I have to avenge all of these, avenge these people. And in doing so, they separate themselves further. And so putting down roots and limiting the amount of influence that can be taken over the character really helps to set that tone. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm also I also noticed the, the custom retire move uh for um uh for the survivor. That's very interesting uh as well. That you you don't have the option to become a paragon from from the survivor, right? A big and uh, another way I, I think about that is it, the survivor. You know they deal with these heavy themes, they deal with this tragedy, but at the end of the day, it's about healing, it's about moving forward, and you can't do that if you're still weighed down by this guilt and by all these emotions. So they can either retire from the life and let go. Or they can successfully exact their revenge on whoever they blame for their tragedy, and they can become a villain. Yeah, that's that that is really interesting. I, I really uh I, I like it when people play with the the retire and change playbook. I think that they are um generally just under underutilized uh in uh when when you're adding flavor to, to a playbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's something that I've seen in a couple playbooks where they where they've they changed that. Um, I can't remember the others right now. Uh, I I believe the mascot might have one similar, um, but you you see it a couple times when it's something that's really inherent to the flavor or the story arc of a playbook, where that's something that the end of their story, if they don't change playbooks needs to resolve a certain way so uh a quick question for um the uh what it means uh what was lost and how it interacts with righteous anger gotcha so uh what it means that what and what was lost uh the the as a move um kind of uh like it's a a bit of a, a mini version of righteous anger that other playbooks take right uh but if you've but since you always start with that, uh, does the the which one of the does the extra supersede the uh, the move, or is it just you roll everything at a like a minus three after? Um... Uh, no, so the um, it's just a mini version of you know the the extra. So if another playbook were to take it, uh, they would have to play by the same rules as Righteous Anger. So it's a it's a negative one, but the move itself allows the um, allows the survivor to get up after they've been knocked out. Uh, just in, in the event that someone, like, say your team is fighting a villain, and this is like the penultimate moment of uh, of your arc, and you're down, and or you're close to going down, and another teammate either falls or flees, you completely lose all your conditions, and you can take a plus one ongoing to all rolls until the end of the scene. Uh, but the flip side is once that scene's over, you activate the downside of Righteous Anger, or if you've taken it uh, while uh, you have another playbook and you've taken this move, you take a, num- a negative one modifier to all rolls until you clear all five conditions. Yeah. Um, another, another thing that I, I, I noticed uh, in, in the moves for this playbook is there's a lot of once per scene, once per advancement, once per session. Uh, mm. the, the survivor has a lot of like one-off moves that they, they can, can pull out uh, for brief like bursts. Like, uh, um, was that uh, an intentional like flavor thing or is that just 
how you felt the moves like would be better balanced uh, based on the amount of power they bring to the table? Uh, it's both, actually. Because Righteous Anger can be so powerful, uh, you know, I've played I've played a survivor character, you know, in playtesting, and it can be pretty powerful at times. It, it has uh, this kind of balance where they'll fail, like, comfort and support roles. They'll fail uh, assess roles more often than not. But when it comes to defend, directly engage, or unleash roles, they're pretty pretty strong. So when it comes to making moves for them, it's it makes more sense to have them have you know strong moves, but things that don't provide tacit ongoing bonuses, so that they have these things they can pull out when when they want to or when they need to, but they are not overpowered compared to other characters. And it also helps, you know, with the uh, the idea of, I guess, going back to, you think, Penance or Batman, where they can just have these moments of intense, like, either insight or intense power, where they use their knowledge or they use, you know, what they've gone through as an inspiration to move forward in, like, a dire situation. Yeah, I, I can especially see that the 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 using of it, it turns my powers on and well, one by one just coming together in in a single like um uh, basically a a single moment of uh you know tr- trying to take a, a powerful villain down in, in one blow definitely right. um yeah no uh it, it's a very interesting playbook that I probably not something I I would want to use in every uh in every group but like i i could definitely see like a lot of really strong stories coming from from someone playing uh this playbook yeah i i um the thing about this playbook is that it doesn't tend to play well with things like the nova or the doomed or even the conduit or the hazard just because of you have that power spike and then you have these two powerful characters kind of vying for that top power spot and 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 it can work in some situations but generally when you have those two like super strong heavy hitters uh, in one team it tends to it tends to take away from all the other characters and all the other players yeah they're they're uh yeah, there is something to say for ha- having a-, a playbook that has such a strong me- like mechanical base for their, uh, 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 like for how effective they are uh, in combat. Like a Nova can can rewrite reality uh, on the narrative scale, but if they can't roll well, it doesn't mean too much, unfortunately. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's. Um... And and I think the survivor is kind of opposite in that way. In that you know the Nova has endless power, but they can do have some bad roles, whereas the Survivor their power is more limited, but they're generally going to roll better on average. Yeah, yeah, no, very interesting, and a, and a very interesting way to to like start making playbooks. Uh, definitely, like to go like uh, so far, uh, like uh, to to really like examine a lot of the the different systems in play for uh for mask uh with this i i, I it's much more ambitious than than uh, anything i would have tried like starting uh starting definitely um 
Yeah, it, I mean, it was a happy accident that this playbook that I had been working on for um, another system uh, just it it just hit the right inspirations at the right time, and so I just kind of ran with it. And you know, I'm happy I did because it helped me further along with the other uh, mechanic changing. Uh, extras that I've put together for other playbooks. Yeah. So, uh, is there anything else you wanted to, to spotlight on the Survivor that we haven't talked about, or are you, uh, ready to move on to other playbook? Um, no, I think that's uh, that's pretty much pretty much it. Um, they're you know they're good at what they're good at. You know they're they're like the troubled character who just keeps on trucking and pulls himself up at the last moment no matter what and uh and i think that the that playbook works well in that space all right so um uh what one i wanted to talk about um kind of um moving in a in kind of the exact opposite direction of of the survivor uh the giver is like a a very unaggressive playbook um, in fact, they're they're a little bit of a pu- a punching bag for not just like the enemy, but like the team. Uh... Yeah, the giver is in a lot of ways the opposite of the survivor. They don't deal out as much as the survivor does, but they allow the team to be better. And then every once in a while, they get uh, they get a power spike when uh, when they've been taken advantage of one too many times. Yeah. So uh, where did the idea for, for the giver come from for, for this, uh, for, for basically a, a full support playbook? Well, I, I noticed that there hadn't been a full support playbook. You know, there are playbooks that, that do provide support that are helpful. Um, one I would point out is the candle, uh, which is a uh, fan-made playbook. Uh, the candle is like the team mom kind of playbook, but it doesn't have like this extra that kind of feeds the power of the team, but it's, it's you know, it's still support. But there's not something that's 100% for the team all the time. And so I felt, you know, that's a space that was open and I uh, figured, you know, why not work on it? And, um, you know, when I was putting it together, um, I guess the main inspirations for it are like, you know, blue lanterns helping to like their main purpose is to help other lanterns boost their abilities um, or uh, hope from the nerds on a roll podcast uh, was, was a good one. And it's just, you know, something that anyone who likes playing like a, a healer in uh, team games would resonate with. Yeah. So uh, their main extra is all about um, uh, not just. Um, so they have uh, uh, the the first thing is that they are in in a lot of ways the opposite of the nomad in that they give everyone has influence on them automatic. They uh, adult kid everyone uh, has influence over the uh, over the giver. Um, and then they uh, they also have a lot of trouble like getting rid of other people's influence, uh, and your team is constantly just gaining influence over you again and again. 
Um, uh, and then the, the the second half of that, or technically the second third uh, of that, is that you're is that uh, in the same way uh, team members can spend team selfishly, they, they can kind of like spend their influence over you selfishly um, to to get bonuses that uh, uh, that they don't even need. Uh, from what I understand, they don't even need like your consent to do this. They can just at any time uh, like pop their their influence to inflict a condition on you. Take a uh, and take one of one of your uh, benefits or uh, right. boons, I believe you called. Yeah. So, so there are boons that they can spend their influence to take, uh, as long as the as long as them taking advantage over the giver inflicts a condition or causes the giver to fail a roll by taking that negative two, um, they can take uh, one of these powerful boons that the that the giver offers. And that can, you know, drastically shift uh, the narrative and how any specific situation's going. Uh, yeah, and then the there there's a, a little bit of a, of a bounce back in the karma mechanic, where uh, after getting taken advantage of enough time, uh, the giver can uh, can kind of. Um, uh, reverse, uh, reverse it. Uh, take influence away from someone uh, to to te- temporarily gain a a boost to their own power. Yeah, it's like an Uno reverse card um, kind of a deal. So after uh, they've marked three karma after they've been they've had uh, a teammate uh, take advantage of their influence over them three times, they get to choose one of. A, a second list of boons for themselves, and these uh, these can you know just be straightforward benefits to them, or they can be a benefit that takes advantage of another teammate, uh, causing a teammate to uh, suffer consequences or mark conditions in exchange for a benefit for the giver. Yeah. So. Uh... Yeah, it, it, it's very um, like for such a a support focused playbook, it seems like it would honestly cause like a very antagonistic relationship in uh, in a group where there's this constant uh, like uh, like not like infighting, but like this constant oh well you did this so I'm going to do this sort of uh, uh, mentality between. Uh, uh, these players kind of fighting over the giver's power, right? And and it can uh, honestly, it can if it's used too much, if it's used too too often, it can absolutely you know cause some some turmoil in the party, um, and and that's by design. So like if you take advantage of someone too much, you're naturally going to cause issues with your group of friends uh, either somebody will defend them and say hey you're you know you're taking advantage of this person or they'll eventually stand up for themselves and it's and it's supposed to you know play off of that so uh, as much as a benefit as they are to the party as supportive as they can be you know there's always going to be a point where they just get pushed too far and you know they're going to give a little pushback yeah um yeah, and that's uh, very interesting considering most of their moves are are really um, 
sort of work more towards a, a cooperative, like, support-based uh, play, um, uh, like uh, A Friend's Burden, um, where where it's more of a, like, the giver uh, is giving the, um, uh, someone the, the, uh, the benefit, like, it's a more, like, here, I'll help you, rather than, oh, you're just taking something from me. Yeah, and I, I guess the way that I like to think about that is that the giver, you know, they're more than happy to help the team. You know, that that's their thing. They they want to give of themselves, but at the same time, you know, there there is a limit. So their moves are absolutely geared toward helping their team, you know, doing what they want to do. They want to help support people, they want to help their team move forward they want to comfort and support people all the time and and try and you know keep the team together but if the team takes advantage of them too much you know they're not about to sit sit back and you know just let that happen all the time um so on uh standing up and speaking out um i noticed that there isn't a uh, a 10 plus uh option uh, mm-hmm. for this move was that uh, an intentional like uh why why did you de- decide to to do that for for this so eliminating the 10 plus option is you know for standing up speaking out it's just you either do it or you don't on this one because i i wanted i wanted them to have a you know something for for them when they need to push back and defend themselves um you know if they're being taken advantage of all the time they can they can you know push back verbally I, they need need needed a stronger mechanic as an option to them uh to be able to just uh to be able to defend themselves and so i i decided against the 10 and, and rolled the 10 plus option in just on a hit so when they speak up and defend themselves if, as long as it's a hit, they you know they get everything they need in that moment. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can definitely see that. Like being a a like if, if I was <laughs> gonna play the giver, I think I, that would definitely be one of my starting moves. Just as a you know, yes, I'm, I'm playing the giver. Yes, you, like you're gonna take stuff from me, but you know, watch out. I I there there are if pushed, there there will be consequences. Kind of. Yeah, and for me, part of that, uh, and it's it's kind of tangential, but part of the inspiration for that specifically uh, comes from Monster Hearts and the Fae and Monster Hearts with the promises mechanic that they have there, where if you break them, if you break a promise with the Fae, you know you're going to get some pushback, uh, and the same thing here. If you take advantage of the giver, you'll get pushback. And it's just kind of an automatic thing that's going to happen as a result. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's um, yeah, definitely like a, a interesting. Like, I, I don't think I've actually ever seen a move that that doesn't do doesn't do the seven to nine ten plus split on a uh, on a roll. That it's a very interesting and very strong choice, I think, uh, for this uh, for for such an important move for this playbook. Yeah, and I, I just think that. You know, giving the option of being able to push back more, um, you know, that creates a different type of giver than if someone wanted to be, you know, full on supportive with the team. You know, it kind of sets them up 
as kind of an adversarial force almost in the team understanding that they will push back or they expect to. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I definitely think the, um, the, the team move, uh, for this one are also kind of interesting, um, where the, the share of triumphant celebration is, uh, like, I, I don't think I've ever actually seen, uh, the using it like a plus one forward as a, um, uh, as part of a, a team move. Uh, usually it's all about clearing conditions, shifting labels. Sometimes it interacts with a, a specific extra on a playbook, but just a, hey, you did good. Here, ha- have, a, have another plus one next time you, mm-hmm. you want to do that. Um, and then the, 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 the disagree, the, uh, isn't even like a, like a real, like, uh, sometimes that those can be like a real shutdown for a character. Like, oh, if you don't uh, agree, then then you know you're gonna take a condition. Uh, but it's just like, oh, well, then uh, I, you know, yeah, uh, and... you, you can get the this bonus. You you get to hold on to, to the bonus instead. Right. Yeah. And and the the reason for the team moves being less about conditions and more about you know uh, moving forward. You know, taking plus one forward and you know doing better than next time it has to do with you know they're already uh clearing conditions with their spe- clearing teammates conditions with their specials shifting labels um you know when you uh, with a, a friend's burden uh le- allowing them to clear conditions you know so much of the playbook is already focused on that i wanted to kind of move away from that with a team move and give the giver uh, and their teammates, you know, uh, a little bit something less about conditions and more about, you know, increasing their effectiveness next time by, you know, either gushing about what the teammate did or the teammate being like, well, no, you know, I, I wasn't this good at that, but I I did okay here. And then the giver and the giver moving forward and being like, you know what, they're right. That was really cool. And trying to find their own way and and that's why i like the giver as more of a starting playbook instead of a playbook to move into because as they share triumphant celebrations and they learn from their teammates they're going to end up you know thinking you know this was cool this was cool i want to be able to do this or this and it kind of pushes them towards their next playbook in that way oh yeah that that's super cool um uh yeah, and then for the the share of vulnerability or weakness, uh, uh, the um, it is really just a microcosm of the, the the giver's drama. Basically, do you appreciate my help or not? And if not, well, you you might regret that later on. Right. Yeah. It you know because if they don't appreciate the giver, you know it's gonna hit the giver. They mark a condition, but they also mark one karma as you know they kind of resent what's just been said because the giver is all about giving everything of yourself to the team and if the team doesn't fully appreciate it or if they take advantage of it you know it's it's gonna come back to to haunt them later all right uh is there anything else you wanted to uh highlight uh on the giver or uh do you think we've we've kind of talked about everything uh important to 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 dive into no, I think I think we uh, pretty much covered everything on this one, yeah. All right. Um so moving to the next playbook, I I uh another playbook that's 
that's a, a bit more passive, uh, but in a very different way, the hazard. Mm, yes. The, um, yeah, so the, the hazard is honestly, like, super interesting to me. Um, uh, the, um, I, I, I know I've mentioned this uh, on another interview, but I, I'm currently playing with someone using uh, the transform to, to kind of play a version of the hazard to play someone who's uh who's uh like afraid of their power who um uh uh to 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 pick at uh one of the moves uh li- feels like they're living in a world made of ca- cardboard um and i i think that it's uh it's a very like it it kind of takes the 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 drama from the nova and just kind of amplifies it so much more to make it about uh it's not just when you're careless with your powers it's your your powers are inherently just this destructive force that you are are barely keeping contained um and i i thought that was just a super interesting um uh idea for a playbook so is did i kind of hit on the 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 kind of drama you were looking for when you when you came up with this or yeah i this the inspiration for the hazard kind of came from two uh from two different spaces uh the first and and you spoke about the move uh world made of cardboard actually comes from a superman speech from the cartoon uh and he has his big fight with um i believe it's with dark side and he gives this monologue about how he has to be careful every day because he feels like he's living in a world made of cardboard and if he lets go for even once one second he could destroy it and that plus thinking about uh the sentry uh the marvel superhero who or dr manhattan say uh you know and they go into self-isolation to keep other people safe from their power just because they are so massively powerful um helped to you know bring this together where you have a, a and for masks specifically you have a teenage superhero who doesn't know what to do with all of this massive power inside of them and so they just kind of want to hide away from the world um and you know not act not save the day unless it's absolutely necessary yeah so uh, the the core expert you called it a, a being of inaction, um, and uh, the one of the the main changes it makes is that um, on a ten plus on uh, directly engage a threat or unleash your powers, you instead act as if you rolled a seven to nine on the adult move equivalent. So it's so those those moves just become um, much like massively. Uh, more powerful, but as, as a cost, um, uh, whenever you you use them, uh, you must cause accidental harm or destruction, or spend a point of a its own like special resource called restraint um, to to basically hold back enough to not like wreck everything. Um, and then uh, on top of that, if you roll a miss on either of those rolls you lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way. So it just puts the, this massive price on those two moves, um, which is usually the, the two moves that you're 
that that are the conflict resolution mechanic in, in map. Yeah, the way I I came to this, you know, is or this specific mechanic is I just thought, what if the survivors' mechanics were ev had even more of a cost? You know, how how could I best do a, a Sentry or Doctor Manhattan uh, or even like a Hulk mechanic and make it even more costly? Make it feel like you have this responsibility to not use your powers yeah um yeah it it's it very much a, a and even uh with being inactive uh, you i noticed that you also put in a if you take a 10 plus on taking a powerful blow you can also cause accidental harm or destruction if you don't have any uh restraint to spend um uh so yeah and and that's just to to hammer home just how dangerous and powerful this you know the hazard can be it it can get really dangerous if you you know let go and start directly engaging or unleashing just out of the box it, the more you use your power and the more successfully you use your power the more dangerous you become unless you've spent time not you know engaging in combat or not using your powers the more you sit in the background and the more you you know uh assist the team with maybe assessing or piercing um or just you know playing a tangential role and the the more able you are to then come in at the 11th hour and just you know raise hell essentially yeah uh so you you lay out uh three ways uh to to gain restraint uh in this extra uh you when a teammate marks a condition due to your inaction when you clear a condition by taking the appropriate action or whenever time passes um are are the three ways that you can gain restraint so uh well what what made you choose those three acts as a way to kind of load up uh uh for a fight so for 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 restraint it needed to come from an emotional place you know so we're dealing with the main emotion of the hazard which is you know fear and fear of oneself um and fear of hurting people that you care about so when a teammate marks a condition you mark a restraint because your teammates being hurt by you not doing anything instead of doing something so that fear kind of it, it abates as you see, well, I could have helped there. I could have saved them from, you know, being hurt if I'd intervened. And so that helps you mark a restraint. Also, clearing a condition by taking the appropriate action, um, that's letting loose, but in an emotional way, not in a, you know, using your powers way. It's, it's taking that fear away slightly of yourself by indulging in either you know um fling yourself hopeless uh, fling yourself into easy release take um action without consulting your team and it allows you to kind of free yourself from that fear for a while and then whenever time passes you, you mark two restraint as well just as uh just as showing you know we've had this time where nothing really bad has happened and it's it's allowed you to center yourself 
Yeah. So, um, as a very, um, uh, I guess inactive, uh, uh, playbook, um, it, um, uh, interesting the, uh, uh, that the, uh, basically most of your moves are, are just, uh, kind of change how the, like, you don't have any, like, replacement moves or, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, here's the unique thing I can do during a fight, uh, while everyone, uh, when I'm not, you know, fighting. So you kind of have, it, it doesn't really give you, for example, there's no, uh, never give up, never surrender, uh, uh, type, or sorry, I always forget that mixed up, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, there's no, uh, specific, uh, special playbook move to be like, you're not engaging a threat, but you're doing this thing that has the mechanical, like, thing of something similar, or, um, uh, most of the, these moves are, um, uh, basically work around the core move. Uh. Right. And the, the reason for that is when, when you're engaged in a fight as the hazard and you run out of restraint, it creates this big narrative moment where you know you're on the edge of losing control. You're on the edge of hurting everyone. And you have to make a decision between making that, you know, taking that risk or stepping back and watching the fight happen. Um, and it, it creates this really tense moment uh, mechanically that the moves don't really help with. They don't, they don't save you from that tension. And that tension has to resolve itself because that's the main issue with the hazard. Um, but the moves do help because uh, the a being of inaction doesn't affect defend moves. Uh, it does help you um, uh, lend me your energy. Uh, for instance, allows you to, def when you successfully defend someone, they can, they can call on you to utilize your powers uh, to, un to unleash. And when, and, and when you do that, when you unleash on their behalf, a being of inaction doesn't, doesn't apply because they're the one rolling. And so it, it helps with support moves like that. But when it comes to when it comes to directly engaging or unleashing, you know, that narrative tension is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the, that because, um, uh, like one of the, the main ways you gain restraint is by clearing a condition, by taking an action that you can have, uh, use better off without me as a, as a method to, to basically, uh, uh shut down a, people trying to like uh help you clear your conditions i, I mean because i know that you're never you're never forced to but it's like narratively i i like the implication of of that um and how it interacts with the uh with the mechanics of uh of being and yeah better off without me and better than i know myself um are kind of when you when you look at the hazard from them being afraid of themselves or them being hypercritical of themselves for being so dangerous, better off without me and better than I know myself, kind of turn that that view inward. And so when someone uh, with influence over you shifts your labels, you clear a condition if, if you accept that. If you just 
say, you know what, you, you're, you're probably right uh, based on everything I know about how dangerous I am and, you know, and everything else, you're, you're probably right. And you can clear a condition that way. And when you kind of close off from comfort and supporting because you don't think you're good enough or you're worthy of being comforted or being supported because of how dangerous you are, it, it kind of, it has this pushback and you cancel their influence on you because you kind of isolate yourself. And, and that goes back towards, you know, the core issue of the uh, core issue and inspiration of the playbook is that, you know, it's, it's about trying to isolate yourself in order to protect other people. Yeah, no, that, that's all very, uh, that's all uh, pretty interesting. Um, uh, so uh, going back to uh, a world made of cardboard, uh, since you said that was kind of a, a central like inspiration for the playbook, it's interesting that the that move is actually what lets you kind of um, uh, kind of act in a more like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, you it'll it basically lets you use your directly engage and your your unleash your powers uh more by kind of putting that that burden less on your restraint and more on yourself giving yourself condition right yeah world made of cardboard you can you can mark a condition to prevent the collateral damage that you would normally need to spend restraint on and so it increases your restraint pool but at the cost of the emotional damage to yourself like you're so focused on trying to protect other people that you're you know putting that burden on yourself even more and so it it allows you you know some flexibility but at the end of you know at the end of the fight you're definitely going to be feeling it especially if you've taken a powerful blow um and and that's another thing to note with world made of cardboard the more conditions you mark by using it the more likely you are to roll a 10 plus on take a powerful blow. And then you don't have a choice about whether or not you cause accidental harm or destruction. You just will, unless you have the restraint. Hmm. Um, so, uh, um, so I'm just looking through the, uh, uh, the, the advancements. Um, and I, I noticed once again, you changed the, uh, uh, the 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 retire uh, advancement to finally retire from the life um, that the the hazard doesn't get a chance to become a a paragon they have to 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 become something else first right and and a big part of that is just because the hazard's main drama uh, is trying to isolate themselves in order to protect people that if they don't you know, ch resolve that by changing playbooks and finding, you know, a, a new uh, emotional core or a new arc that in the end, they're just going to give in to that urge and they're going to shut down and they're going to leave the life completely in order to protect everyone. And they'll finally get what they wanted, you know, and, and that's, you know, the idea for, for that final advancement there. Mm -hmm. That's also interesting because another thing that they, that you gave them access to was uh, the doom's doom sign and doom track. Yeah. And, uh, and the, I mean, that's, you know, it, it helps plug them in with uh, having, you know, additional reason 
to be afraid of themselves and their powers is that they, you know, they have a doom that not only are they a danger, but, you know, whatever their doom is, is a danger to other people as well. And it gives them even more reason to retire. You know, it, it doubles down on this idea that they're so dangerous or their life is so dangerous that they need to be extra careful, um, you know, being around people just because of how much power they wield. And it, it, uh, it helps to, to push that, to, to push that home. Mm-hmm. So as a uh, quick question for, so say you are the hazard, you take a doom and you take the doom sign bolstered and you use bolstered to, to use the, um, uh, the adult move, uh, I forget what the uh, what what the the actual names of them are, but the the ones that right. are replacements for, um, you know, uh, directly engage and uh, or I think it's wield your powers and overwhelm a vulnerable foe. Mm-hmm. That... Yeah. So in, in that case, uh, if I remember bolstered correctly, here let me uh, pull it up because I'm pretty sure I do. Um, yeah. So you move. So you use the. Uh, use the adult move one time, you know, and and doing so, you mark your doom track. So theoretically, yeah, you can absolutely do that. But doing so, it's going to end up making you more dangerous in, in the long run. So in a way, it does provide, I'd say this is similar to the example, you know, world made of cardboard. It, you know, it allows you more freedom to fully engage and fully shut down, like shut down a, a situation and protect people. But at the same time, it's going to make things more dangerous for everyone in the long run. Mm-hmm. So, and so then would, uh, I'll, when you, when you're below the, the, the line taking your adult moves, the, are they also not, not affected by uh, your, uh, by it by the core extra, you can just use those with uh, 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 yeah. consequence as well. Right, and and I wouldn't say with no consequence because the adult moves they always tend to carry with them a consequence, especially um, here. Let me <laughs> let me get pull up my adult moves here. Especially um, overwhelm a, a vulnerable foe absolutely comes with consequences. Because if no matter what you roll, there's always going to be a consequence on overwhelm a vulnerable foe. And if you take a powerful blow in turn, you know, that that's fine. But if you have if you roll a 10 plus on that powerful blow for overwhelming a vulnerable foe, you're going to hurt everyone around you. If you hurt your foe more than you intended, it's going to be serious because you're the hazard. And if you cause serious collateral damage you know it's it's the same thing so using those moves doesn't prevent you from from you know having to deal with the narrative consequences of being so powerful that you could level a city block without any effort whatsoever yeah that's yeah okay that's uh yeah i was just like something that 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 came to mind while i was reading reading through the the advancements of oh hey what what about this what you know as a you know just like like as someone who would probably be interested in playing a hazard in the future just mm-hmm. thinking about like what did you think about you know when you 
were doing these things. But yeah, um, yeah, no, super solid playbook. I, I'm very, uh, 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 I, I, I'd really like to, 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 to play this. Maybe do a, a bit of an arc where you go from like Hazard to Nova or something. Um, oh yeah, as you gain more control, you know, being able to, uh, to quantify your power more. Yeah, that would be that would be a really interesting, um, a really interesting arc. Yeah, yeah. You don't usually think about the Nova as as something you go into to gain more control, right? But, yeah. Um, you know the, yeah. No, then definitely uh, something interesting uh, there. Uh, is there any other bits of the hazard that that you think uh, should be? Um, uh, spotlighted things that you're you're particularly proud of um for for me the hazard is i i I like to think of the hazard as you know as the giver i mean not sorry but the survivor if you know plus plus just in terms of power level in terms of danger because if you look at like the survive going back to the survivor if you look at their powers their powers are supposed to be dangerous but the hazard, their powers are uncontrollable. Um, and I just think when it comes to playing the hazard, it's one of those things where you have to be okay with both being in and out of the spotlight because they're going to be both the most powerful and the most useless person on the team at different times. And, and I think that having that dichotomy of, you know, being in the spotlight and then forcing yourself out of the spotlight is uh is really interesting yeah yeah no it, it's definitely like it it, it is a, a very interesting playbook definitely um so moving on from that uh let's go kind of in the opposite directions uh uh power wise with the nascent uh a the a playbook about about kind of starting from nothing and building up. Um, uh, so where did the idea for the nascent uh, come from? So the nascent actually, um, it, it is supposed to be like the puberty analog, like the late bloomer analog for masks. So masks is all about teenage superheroes. And this is about that one teenage superhero who they have powers but they're either, you know, super specific or super small. And they're, you know, they're trying to catch up to everybody else on the team who can do all these amazing things. And for me, a big influence for this is turning once again to Monster Hearts. Is there's a, um, for Monster Hearts, the second edition, there is a, uh, a fan, a, like a fan-made playbook for that, or a fan-made skin, rather, for that by James Mullen called The Chrysalis. And in that play, and, and sorry, in that skin, as they do different actions, as they move forward, they can set themselves on the path to move into one of like six other skins, just depending on, you know, what they do. They grow towards different things. And I wanted to build a masks playbook where you're encouraged to grow towards like and figure out what your next playbook is. Like, what is your, what are you supposed to end up as? And that's why, you know, in their extra, it pushes them at the end, once they fill out all their, you know, their applications and their evolution, once they reach the end of 
this, the, uh, you know, the extra, they have to change playbooks because they've reached the end of their journey. Yeah. It, it, it's very um, interesting as, as because um, I uh, typically uh, in masks, you, you get at most three playbooks. If you uh, cheat through the, um, uh, through the beacons drives to get an an extra playbook out of it, right? Um, the uh, and it's really interesting that this is kind of like uh, to 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 use a Pokemon term. This is kind of the baby form of a mask playbook, right? It, yeah, uh, it's intended to be your first playbook, and that you that you don't necessarily hit the hit the below the line point and pick a new playbook. That way, you're supposed to use the extra until you're until you're ready to 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 join the other playbooks as a uh, as a like a a finished playbook in in some ways very like uh opposite to uh the playbook i wrote the enduring which is 100 percent uh was written with the idea that this is your second playbook or your uh uh if you are being a little cheaty with the with the beacon your last playbook this is where mm-hmm. you're um like uh when you're like Theoretically, you can take the the enduring as as your first playbook, but it's it was very much intended to be a uh, what does it look like to be an experienced hero with no power? Um, right, and and then and I've seen I've seen the enduring, and I like and I like to think of that as like the endpoint for you know for a doomed in a lot of cases. And and uh, yeah, that that's how it was written. That was actually the the original <laughs> intent. Was I had a player in one of my games who was playing the Doomed, mm-hmm. uh, got to the the end, switched playbooks, and became a Beacon. And all of the flavor of the Beacon is like, you don't belong here. You're you definitely aren't a, a haven't proved yourself as a hero. And uh, the player's like, I fought the <laughs> devil. I you you don't. What if not having powers didn't was, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of you. And and that's really really where that came from. And to your playbook because we're not here to talk about mine. The uh, the the Nathan is is just uh, such an interesting. Uh, even if like you don't know exactly who you are, but you know like kind of who you are in relation to others. Like uh, a, a protege knows who they are in relation to their mentor, mm-hmm. for example. Um, the way I like to think about it is they know who they're supposed to be. You know, the the protege knows they're supposed to be like their mentor, where the legacy is supposed they're supposed to be a member of the legacy, but the nascent has no idea. They just have this power. They want to use it. They want to be better with it. They want to be able to be on the same level as everybody else who already has such an established idea of from their point of view at least of where they're going the nascent sees like the legacy and they're like oh you're going to be the next you know whatever whatever big superhero and i don't know you know i have power but i don't know what you know my identity is going to end up being i i want one but i don't know what it is yet yeah um yeah and it's um and the way the um I, I think one of the ones that like I really like uh like in terms of moves that kind of shows this kind of like idea of growing and, and kind of becoming uh more is go web go. Oh yeah. I uh the just like it like anyone who is who has seen that movie has seen that scene and uh 
like understands the the point of uh of that move is is about like trying and failing and trying again until you get it right basically yeah um, ab- absolutely and that's and and that's what the playbook is it's about it's every time you unleash your powers you don't know if you're going to be able to 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 do what you want to do you you could fail spectacularly but at the end of the day you have to keep trying because there's going to be an endpoint when you do figure out your limits and you figure out what you're capable of yeah um i i also like that it's the that uh the nation also has moves that kind of uh bolster uh the the rest of the team for kind of mentoring them like the not quite there yet and uh friendly green-eyed monster both have options to to just hand over potential to uh to your teammates which is is very uh rare at in in a lot of moves sets uh to to just be able to give away uh potential to other people yeah and the way that the way that i thought about it is the nascent is always there uh, similar to the beacon in a way that they're always just in awe of what everyone can do around them and so they're always telling the people around them how awesome they are or what else they think they can do or what they think they're capable of like with uh, theory crafting when when they like think up an idea for how they could use their powers next they get so excited about it that you know they're training with it and if they can fig- if they figure out a way that it could help a teammate they can tell their teammate and it benefits them too yeah no um yeah it, it's it's definitely like uh going in in a bit of a different uh direction from uh what a a, a lot of um uh, I, again, a lot of playbooks don't really have the like. The, there are definitely, you know, you comfort and support better. You comfort and support with different moves, but uh, there's very rarely this this kind of like teamwork focused um, uh, like moves in, in a lot of playbooks. A lot of playbooks are more about this is what you can do uh, for yourself, not what so much what you can do for others. Yeah, um, and 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 a lot of that is about following the personal stories of you know, the characters, when they, they're, they're focused on their own stories and how they can accomplish their goals. Whereas the nascent is more of, uh, they, they have their own journey, but they're more of an observer as well, where they're seeing what everyone else is doing. They're kind of kind of jealous, you know, friendly green-eyed monster is a move in here. They're, they're kind of jealous of what their teammates can do, but they're also just fascinated by what their teammates can do. And how that could, you know, apply to them. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, so that that kind of like emulation is, is kind of uh, very present in the, the the move anything you can do, where where it's about uh, kind of the uh, quite clearly use the word emulate uh, how another you uh, hero uses their abilities. Um, so uh, is so this one's a, a lot more about like narrative like moving kind of beyond the, the limits of what your abilities on your sheet would uh uh would imply uh you can do and, and uh a, a level of competency i guess that isn't necessarily uh present in them um am, am i getting that right is that the the right kind of flavor you were going for for that move 
Yeah, uh, anything you can do. It's it's um, you're just trying to do what they do, and you know, on a on a hit, you know, you you uh, you do uh, whatever the move is that you were doing. And, and so when you look at the move, it's not it's not saying, hey, do a special role. It's either you're unleashing or you're defending or you're you know directly engaging the same that they would. But additionally, when you roll a 10 plus, you do it you you use your powers exactly the way that they use their powers in that same situation or a similar situation. And on a miss, you completely misjudged how your powers work at all. Uh, and you, you know, you mark a condition and just expect them to go haywire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, uh, uh, the nascent team moves are, are very much, uh, seem to be about lo like looking for approval from your peers and like, uh, getting, like the the their insecurity about their their position with the rest of the team, um. yeah, and it's similar again. It's similar to the beacon, but not in the way where they're necessarily like so excited to be there. It's that they want to fit in. You know, they want to be. They want to have the same control over the powers that everybody else has. They they want to be seen in the same way. Um, you know, it's whether or not their powers are cool or lame as they're figuring out different applications for their powers or how to use them. You know, is this a good application for my powers? Is this a bad application for my powers? Should I try and think of a new way to use them? Um, or, you know, for when they share a weakness or, or a vulnerability, they're, they're worried about whether they're falling behind, whether they're not living up to the same kind of identity and same kind of power that their teammates have. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um that's uh you know, it it, it just it, it feels very right uh for for the drama that the the nascent is kind of invoked. Um so moving on to the the advancements, uh the uh I I'm interested in why you you decided to to give them access to the bull's heart uh as one of their advances. Uh yeah, so the the way I I thought about this is, you know, we could, I could have done the beacon's drives. Uh, that was that was an option that I had floated around, you know, as they're trying to fit in with the team, you know, they can do all these other things tangentially and, and you know, on the side as they're figuring out their powers, and it kind of pushes forward their idea of themselves as a superhero. But as the moves took shape, and as it became more about bonding with the team and seeing what the team can do and what they think about you, it became more necessary for it to be about you know, thinking of this person in the team as, you know, my inspiration for this or this or this person in the team, me wishing I could do what they wanted. And so I, I put in the bull's heart as they form these bonds with the team, you know, it just makes sense for them, for those bonds with the team to deepen and for them to, you know, have a love and a rival within the team who push them to be better. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that actually when you explain it like that, that makes a lot of sense. I I, I hadn't considered it from that angle. Um, uh, uh, anything else uh, you wanted to 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 get into uh, with uh, with the nascent? Um, 
I don't think so. Not too much. I mean, the nascent, if it's a good niche for people who haven't played masks before, if they're okay with playing, you know, fan-made playbooks, I, I think it's a good start. So the next uh, playbook I have in front of me is the lamb, which is kind of like if the nascent grew up and gained an attitude. Um, yeah. So interesting point for the lamb is this was a playbook jam that we had uh, a bunch of designers of the fan-made playbooks. We all got together and we had a playbook jam um, about defying destiny with an optional, uh, an optional theme. And, and so that's what this came from. It's the basic premise. It's a child star. So it's like a child beside them. Um, and so anyway, you were like the cute superhero. Um, and then as you grew up, you realized that was an identity they put on you, and that's not who you want to be anymore. Yeah, so uh, the Lamb does a core extra, so they're uh, very much all about, uh, all about the move. Yeah, and, and that was a, a decision when, when I was working on it for the jam. I, you know, I, I thought, you know, does a character need an extra? Do, do they have something more or are they to or are they just you know a, a super, similar to the um the delinquent it, you know i figured it, it doesn't really need anything other than what it is it's just it is a teenager trying to step out from their own shadow and trying to be you know trying to be their own genuine self in a world that sees them as something completely different yeah and that's um uh, that that's very uh, interesting because two of the moves are are about kind of like using that that sh that reputation for your advantage. Um, uh, the uh, the the fluffy sod and uh, wide eyed whimper, um, where you you kind of embrace that um, that reputation to to gain an advantage on on your uh, uh, on your enemy. Yeah, and and I. When I was going through it, I was like, anybody in this situation would do the exact same thing. They would want people to underestimate them in certain situations. So for Fluffy Facade, when you're trying to avoid responsibility or conflict by trading in on like your innocent childhood reputation, you, you can roll and try and get away from responsibility because anyone in that situation would try to do that. And the same thing when you're uh, with Wide-Eyed Whimper. When you use your your reputation to act innocent or pitiable so that, you know, uh, maybe a, a villain will not want to attack you first because, you know, you're just a kid or they think you're just a kid, then you can use your reputation and and take them by surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then for... Um... You you kind of have uh, uh, two moves about um, sort of uh, like acting against your your reputation. You have sh uh, sheep in wolf's clothing, and I'm the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, where where one is about uh, uh, kind of uh, threatening people in in a um, sort of the similar to to the bulls uh you you've got a head you don't need where you're you're threatening people and um uh what i really like about this one though is that uh uh it uses a a 
kind of uh, a sweet spot mechanic that I don't see a lot of in uh, in a lot of moves where where if you go roll too well, the there there it's actually worse for you. Yeah, and and the way I I thought about that is like, and and this was why I, w- I had trouble at at first, you know, whether or not it needed an extra or not. Um, but going into sheep and wolf's clothing, uh, there there if you are too good at threatening someone or acting tough, like you you're going to hurt your your own reputation that you're building as like an adult you want a, a quote unquote adult superhero like you want to be seen taken seriously but you'll end up hurting your own reputation in the process because you're taking it too far you're overcompensating and, and you're pushing yourself past you know anybody's reasonable expectation of what a superhero should do yeah and then uh the and the the other move, the I, I'm a bad guy, um, uh, is a, is about actually acting out that uh, the, that level of um, of aggression that that you're kind of showing in uh, uh, sheep and wolf's clothing, where where you actually um, get a you you're always uh, impressing, surprising, or frightening opposition when you are aggressive or brutal uh, uh, when you directly engage. Threat. It's about. Uh, uh, it's a very aggressive move. Yeah, it's very. Uh, it's very. Um, I, I think of this one um, similar to one from another fan-made playbook called the Meta, where when, but theirs is more about like gore and violence because the the Meta is all about not being part of the universe and not caring. Uh, about anybody i think the name of that move is they're just cartoons um and it's uh, and it's about lashing out in a particularly aggressive or brutal way um and and when it comes to i'm the bad guy like yeah you're if you do that if you act out these threats and you overcompensate again you overcompensate for this other reputation You'll impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition, no matter what you do. But narratively, it's still not a good look. And you know, word will get around. As a, as a, for me, if somebody uses "I'm the bad guy" too much, Aegis might be paying them a visit. You know? Yeah. Um. The. Uh, um. I. It definitely. Uh. Uh. Has shades of. Uh. What. What is it? The. The transform move. Be the monster. I think yeah 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 so that that's like i yeah it, it's definitely one of those ones where the the consequences are 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 a lot more about uh the narrative rather than the, um rather than a, a mechanical uh trade off there um uh yeah, yeah and and the purpose for that is not highlighting that in the mechanics is that it makes it um more tempting to use and to take um without thinking about what the possible issues you know possible consequences for it might be down the line you know you're tempted to do it because you know you're going to get a tacit benefit but if you don't think about it narratively you you might find yourself in some hot water yeah um so uh steel wool um uh is kind of interesting to me because you it it basically lets you negate uh a a 
someone using their their influence to 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 shift your labels like uh in a much like harder direction than um uh than than uh you know uh i guess the only other like defensive move for that is the uh uh is the delinquent uh i don't care what you say i the 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 name of it yeah where where you just get a, a plus two to that roll you instead roll uh plus danger and and then completely negate the 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 shift without av- having to actually reject it yeah um, and and uh if you know i can i can point out um so for if you look at the labels here's there's something uh kind of interesting i think for this playbook specifically about the labels is that you start out with a plus two to mundane and a negative two to danger and for moves like that it, it's encouraging you to shift your mundane down and shift your danger up to literally change your reputation as you move through the playbook. And so when it says roll plus danger, it's, you know, the only way to do well in that role is if you've changed your reputation enough to where you can, you know, push back against people and and shut them down. Uh, but if you miss, you, you have to mark a condition and accept their words because you haven't you know established that new reputation enough yet oh yeah i i actually didn't realize that yeah where so uh most of the 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 moves that are about using uh, like establishing a new reputation itself use danger and all the ones that uh and the two that are about uh banking on your old one you use mundane i did not notice that that's super clever yeah, so it's it's about if you want to, you know, bank on what you already have, you know, take those take fluffy facade or wide-eyed whimper, you know, use that to your ex- advantage, but at the end of the day you're not necessarily going to be able to push your reputation the way you want. But if you take the others, you know, you're you're going to have to first move your reputation in that in that direction before you can take advantage of it. Yeah, and and I, I see uh, kind of a similar thing in the uh, uh, revengeance uh, uh, move, where uh, all of the triggers like uh, work off danger. The uh, basically being, um, in in some ways, it seems like the the, the idea behind this move is th- that they're you're kind of overreacting to to this this hit you took. Is that about right? Am I? Yeah. So so part of it is you know overreacting uh you know like you do with uh, sheep and wolf's clothing and i'm the bad guy but but the other way that i like to think about this one is it's is it's taking this 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 character who has been seen as cute and has been seen as cuddly and kind of taking them through like an agretsuko moment if you're familiar with uh with that series and taking them from being just cute and cuddly and everybody is like thinking of them a certain way and then having them switch on a dime and just completely letting loose and taking everything out on on whoever hurt them yeah um yeah no that's that's yeah i, I can see the, the the inspiration for that there um i really like uh, now that you've explained the the idea behind the label labels and the reputation, uh, I really like the the share a triumphant celebration with someone. 
uh, team move. I think that um, you know that that's really uh, interesting to me. That that you that there's it's basically how your character changes their reputation towards uh, being the the more aggressive form that makes best use of all of their aggressive. Yeah. Uh, so for for that, like the more aggressive you ask, when you do share a triumphant celebration, the more likely your teammates are to say, "Yeah, you are being fearsome. Yeah, you are being dangerous," and that allows you to shift your danger up mechanically to match, you know, what you're trying to portray. Yeah, that that's trust. Um, I, I I yeah. I, I I thank you for for explaining the the the, the labels thing. Is that that really recontextualizes a lot of the playbook for me. I think that. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That that uh that yeah. Especially yeah. Sorry. I I'm just uh that that's a just a mechanical thing. I I never because I, I like like you're starting labels for for playbooks. I usually I'm like okay. Well, you're uh it's usually just kind of telling you you know. These are the labels you're good at. This is what your your playbook's supposed to do, and then um, and then like those those can change so wildly over the course of play. Like I've had Novas uh, hit like plus three mundane and minus freak, and I'm like, oh well, right. That that's an interesting <laughs> place to be in. Um, but yeah, I've, I never uh, that that's so interesting to to like how you've kind of built everything together around this like starting out super mundane and. Uh, very un non dangerous and having that and, and the other thing is using that as less of a this is what you are but more this is what people see you as which i think a lot of people uh tend to forget is part of like how labels work right yeah uh, and 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 the thing about it is you know going back to consi having considered an extra for this you know when i was thinking about it i realized you know there's no need for an extra because the mechanics are already built into the game you just have to find a way to use them correctly to where, you know, you get that same feel that an extra might have without using it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's super smart and super interesting. Um, all right. Is there anything else uh, that uh, uh, I've missed that you'd like to, to uh, highlight? Any other ways you'd like to blow my mind about this playbook? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think we've gone over pretty much pretty much everything all right so uh we're on to uh your last playbook uh the branded uh uh which is is kind of a a a, a corporate uh hero uh um uh in in a lot of ways the the, the it feels a little bit like the corporate version of the uh of the soldier oh um, yeah mm -hmm. um so uh oh, where, where did the the idea for this from well this actually came I, I really love this one this is the second playbook that i wrote after the survivor and it came out of necessity actually um i was playing a game of uh, what, what was the campaign it was um so we were playing masks i was the mc and it was a phoenix academy game and we had a character who was playing we had a player who was the star but was doing uh, the star as like this kind of corporate character, like their entire look was branded. They had a PR team. And at the end of the day, it became an issue of whether their audience was, were their bosses 
or was it the actual audience out in the world? Like, who were they pulling their, who, who were they turning to and, and saying, hey, this is, I'm doing this for you. And who were they pulling their, you know, um, their resources from when they used their moves? And so it became this issue of this split audience and not being able to fit right. And so from that, uh, I built the branded specifically to fit that niche of a character who has a corporate backing. Like there's a corporation who wants to take advantage of the popularity of superheroes and cash in on it by having, you know, their own, their own superhero mascot. And having a character fill that role. Yeah. So the the company is is kind of the is again the core extra for uh, for the branded um, where where you have the your you know your corporate overlords who um, uh, who who basically uh, control your um, uh, <coughs> um, who, who who kind of like control your brand uh, to a degree um, and. They, you can gain bonuses from them, but um, uh, but there there are also penalties if you perform poorly for for what they want to, to do. Right. Uh, yeah. And so for the company, you know, there there's a, a small part here where you name the company, you choose their industry, but then you have to choose two flaws of the company. Whether you know that's um, illegal activities, poor health insurance, unethical work conditions, out of touch things that would be addressed by NPCs during play. Say, you know, how could you work for them? They do this, they do that. And having to keep your company in a positive light in order to keep receiving your powers. And that's why the power, the abilities, the, the powers you can choose from, they're all things that that require the the company the company's support whether that's you know uh, a mech suit or power armor or impossible vehicle or gene therapy it's all things that are provided by the company in order to allow you to be a superhero so you have to keep the the company in a positive light um and you have to you know perform well in the field Otherwise, they might, you know, start taking stuff away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so why why did you pick the um, uh, savior as as the the stat that determines whether you're you're um, you're you're gaining or losing uh, synergy? So the savior is kind of the one of two main labels for this playbook. Mundane is they don't have any powers of their own. You know, they're, they're mundane at plus two. They don't have any powers of their own. They have to requi- rely on normal people, on a company, on a team, you know, a, a team beyond the team even. They have to, uh, for example, say, or how, how much do they, you know, push being a superhero ahead of everything, everything else, because that's the most important thing for them. That's the reason they got into it in the first place. Uh, yeah, the um, uh, and I, I think it's actually really interesting that all of the all of the branded moves uh really trigger off of mundane or uh or like they're uh you know connected to other basic moves, but there's no like 
um uh like they're they're nothing uh in their their move set is really like powered by uh savior uh with the uh exemption of the the celebrity endorsement which uh kind of goes off of uh successfully using it your uh the defender move um yeah and and that's you know at the end of the day it's it's about them being a normal person for so for and i need it now the main point of that of them rolling mundane for that is that you know they can't do it on their own so they need help from the company in order to you know be a superhero in the first place so they're rolling plus mundane you know saying this this is how much i need this you know i the more mundane you have the the more normal you are or more normal you're perceived and that's how how badly you need their help um i i have to say uh i feel customer services voice in my soul <laughs> yeah yeah um my my wife she um she's not in it anymore uh re- as of recently but she for a long time she uh she was doing uh customer service and every time i called her called uh to talk to her at work and she didn't know it was me it was a completely different person on the phone mm-hmm. yeah um i yeah, there, 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 there are some moves where you you read the name and you kind of, and, and uh, a lot of people will just say, ah, yes, I, I understand exactly what this move is doing. Uh, <laughs> you know the, um, and and mechanically, I think it's really interesting. I'm uh, uh, the ability to temporarily ignore a a condition um, for a role. I, I, um, I, I think that's something that that uh is. If anything, underused in in, uh, in playbooks generally, I think that that that's a, a very interesting way to um, to represent uh, like something that's not quite recovery, but like a kind of perseverance. Yeah, it, it's so for customer service voice specifically, it's you know being able to put aside your emotions for just a moment to be able to get the job done, and then after it's done, you know feel those emotions even more intensely and feel even worse about it because you had to deal with something that you didn't want to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and yeah, the, <clears throat> yeah, that was definitely uh, like, again, just, just that, that, that customer service feeling of, ah, yes, I am going to act as if everything is fine while internally I'm just screaming. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, could you explain somehow I manage? Because that uh, of the the moves, that's the one that I, I'm I'm having trouble understanding where that comes from. Uh, from the flavor of the playbook. Yeah. So for this one, it's more it's more uh, you know it's relying back again on mundane. Uh, you know, not in the move itself, but in that being a driving force of the playbook. Whereas where the the branded can't do everything themselves you know that's that's part of what they do so they have to rely on other people and so they have to you know if they have need something done in in a, a fight or something they have to rely on other people but if you know somebody's not 
where they're supposed to be in like the lineup. I, I went with, you know, them being part of a company and there being a, a hierarchy and having managers. And so when they provoke a teammate to do something risky or foolhardy that, you know, they think needs to be done in the mission or in the fight, they, the teammate can take a plus four, plus one forward if they do as they're told, you know, if they're uh, listening to their quote unquote manager of the moment. Um, and if they succeed, then everybody in the quote unquote company, you know, benefits, they both mark potential. Yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, that, that, uh, that makes a, a lot of sense. Thank, thank you for explaining that. Yeah, of course. Um, it, uh, I, I really like the consequences on the moment of truth for the did. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was very, um, that the consequences on the moment of truth were actually part of the inspiration, um, Part of that inspiration came from the actual game that the branded ended up being the first playtest for, um, in that you know the company that controlled that branded particular image kept changing their their branding throughout the course of the game, and when they finally used their moment of truth, they only they they forced the uh, the character. To sign a new contract uh, in the course of uh, in the course of the game, and as soon as they popped their moment of truth, they violated their contract and triggered a completely uh, a completely new like set of rules that they had to follow, and it completely changed the branding of their character as a result. Oh wow, that's yeah. No, I I I like that a lot. Like the idea that you know. Um... Like how how little control uh, the like the branded actually has over like their identity that way the um, uh, and I, I'm just actually noticing it now but I, I I also like the 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 little note under uh, costume selections that uh, your costume is branded oh yeah because yeah so I I added that in just because I, I didn't want to have branded costume as an option because I didn't want people to be able to get out of it. The entire point of it was like, you, you are, you know, a representative of the, of the company. So you can, you know, you can choose what your costume looks like, but you're going to be representing the company, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that I, I, you rarely see someone like do something interesting with, with the look section. Um, uh, it's, like you like there there's definitely like uh you know descriptive stuff in there stuff that explains kind of what kind of um like flavor the the playbook is going for but but mm -hmm. rarely is the look section the part where that part of the the playbook that has like real teeth to it yeah and a lot of reason is that for that is cuz it doesn't necessarily need to be um, the look section, you know, is pretty standard across the board just because um, it, you know, it's supposed to be mostly character choice. And so by taking away certain character choices in the look section or in the ability section, you know, or wherever you would normally have full choice uh, uh, over, you know, what the character is, by taking away a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that freedom, 
you know, you kind of constrain the character and add to, you know, whatever their conflict might be. And for this specifically, you know, it's you are, you know, beholden to the company. So you don't get a choice here. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I have to say I've never seen a, uh, a triumphant celebration uh, move that had such a, a absolutely cold, um, uh, uh, you know, n- negative reaction to it. Uh, I the the idea of the the dehumanizing uh, of just being told you're you're that you're just an employee uh, by a teammate just sounds like the like uh, <laughs> I as a player I I would mark a condition if someone like said that to me I think um, I I really like that I think that's that's yeah and and I put that one in there just to play off. A relationship question where you know one of your teammates thinks you're a sellout so you know it's going to create some major tension in the group regardless of what they say you know if they say you're a hero you know that's you know that's a major impact moment where this person who thought you were a sellout maybe doesn't think you're a sellout anymore but if they still think you're a sellout and say you're an employee and you mark a condition it's definitely going to you know raise some tensions in the group uh and and i i see once again you have uh complicated the the retire uh move um uh for for the branded yeah slightly um and and this one's just out of necessity really um in a lot of ways it's you know it's the exact same as become a paragon of the city um but because you are the branded because you're part of a company you know, you're you're gonna still work for the company. So instead of retiring from the life or becoming a paragon, you become a mainstay of the company's image. You're still a hero, but you uh, you know you're a hero with uh, with a job, <laughs> more or less. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's all of my notes uh, on on the uh, branded the stuff that I wanted to 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 talk about. Is there anything that you'd like to spotlight? Things that I miss? Um. I, I don't think so. I you know the the branded I think can definitely fill that niche um similar to what the freelancer another fan made playbook does where you know the the freelancer is all about profits the branded's all about the company and it kind of takes you know masks superheroism and makes it just a little bit more grounded in mundanity and the real world and what you what would actually happen with superheroes whether that be you know you need to be a superhero to make money or you need a company to back you in order to be a superhero yeah um yeah i i yeah i think that's uh that that's a a really uh interesting take and also i i realized that and i'm gonna need to 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 have you back at some time to talk about some other put other people's playbooks. If you keep mentioning these fan-made playbooks that I've never uh, taken a close look at. To... Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I am. I am a huge fan of everybody's fan-made playbooks. I have. I don't think there's one that I haven't read yet, and and I always look to them for inspiration and for themes to avoid when building my own because you know there there are so many now. I think we're at a hundred and two on the list. Fan-made playbooks. Uh, and... 104. Uh, 104. Jeez. 
was oh is the has the princess been added since I, I know the princess was being worked on the other day and it might have been added uh, uh no but i do know oh, that okay. uh vase uh added a couple of playbooks back uh yeah the replacement was added back i know yeah uh yeah he, he specifically mentioned that during, during the our, our end, yeah so. okay so 104 soon to be 105 because uh I, someone is currently working on one called The Princess, which is pretty fun. And and yeah, so I, I've read through every, every single one of them on the list so far, and some that haven't been put on the list yet, and I love every single one of them. They all do something different, they're all interesting, and I highly recommend any one of them to anyone looking for something new or interesting to play in Masks. Uh, yeah, no. So um, I guess uh, we've gone over all of your, your playbooks. Is there any other uh, masks-related materials that you, you haven't uh, shared with us, uh, things uh, or anything that you're, you're working on in the future, for the future? Well, well, yeah, I have a playbook that I'm working on at the moment. It's not finished yet. I don't have a name for it. Um, the, the working title is The Divergent, and it's about what happens to you know a time traveling superhero who comes back to the fa- comes back to the past and they do exactly what they wanted to do so it's like the harbinger if the harbinger succeeded in their mission to avert the catastrophe and then now the future is different and their original future doesn't exist anymore and now they're just stuck in this new world where they know all the significant players in the world, but those players don't know them. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. That I, I will I, I look forward to, to seeing that uh you know uh pop up on the on the spreadsheet uh, at some um yeah I'm I'm excited about it too. Uh, you know in in the next uh, month or two probably I'll have um the first draft up and uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um all right. Well, if that's uh, everything you've got, you're, uh, you've been working on, uh, would you like to, to tell the audience uh, where they can find you if they want to chat you up about uh, your, uh, your playbook? Or... Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, anyone can find me anytime uh, on Discord at uh, Oberon, uh, like Oberon, like the Shakespeare character, um, number 0725. Um, I am happy to talk with anyone anytime, take questions and uh, provide suggestions to any, you know, GMs or MCs who uh, have people who want to play these characters. Uh, you know, it, I'm just, I'm open. Hmm. All right. And we'll, uh, as usual, we'll be putting uh, that in the show notes uh, and uh, so that uh, all of our listeners can uh, come and bug you about your uh, amazing playbooks. So. Oh, please do. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you for uh, for going through all these playbooks with me. Um, well, thanks this was, for having me. Oh, yeah. Uh, anytime. And uh, if you want to come back uh, when your new playbook is out, you know, come chat that up with us. Uh, we'd ha- be happy to have you back. Sounds great. All right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. 
All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listen to these nerds at gmail.com.